church man what an awesome day we get to come together and uh, just enjoy the presence of the Lord are you excited yes so excited. yeah it's going to be it's gonna be a great day listen I just would encourage you to set your heart set your faith and just get ready for what God is going to do listen as we jump into worship let, just feel free right where you're at to worship God we're also gonna have communion so take just a minute and grab your communion bread and grab your juice if you don't have that, improvise, uh, but just just set your heart for what God is going to do, right? Yes, yeah, and yeah. make sure to like, comment, and share this live stream to all of your Facebook friends, or if you're on YouTube, share it with your friends over message. Um, we want everybody to yeah. be a part. Yeah, as much as we can get out to, if you don't have friends, 
on Facebook. Make friends on Facebook. Friends. Let's get it out. Let's get ready to have a good day. Yeah. Good morning, church. Let's worship together. Let's give our all. Let's give praise this morning.
Hey, good morning, church. What an awesome time we're having in worship this morning. And we're going to continue that as we take just a moment to remember Christ through communion. Now, maybe right there at home, grab your communion elements right here at the church. We have actually this, this nice little packet that's got both of our elements together, and it includes in it the bread and juice. Both of these are representations uh, of what Jesus Christ has done for us. You know, when we come together in, in remembrance of what Christ has done, as we take the bread, we remember His body that was broken for us. It, it was broken so that we could be healed, so that we could be mended, and so that we could be whole. That is our promise as a believer. As we take the juice, it represents His blood that was shed for our sins. He was an innocent sacrifice, sacrificing Himself for us, actually in place of us. So today, there at home, as we do this together, as you take the, the bread and as you take the juice, remember the sacrifice that Jesus Christ has given for us. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to, to remember all that you've done. As we take communion right where we're at, we set our eyes and our hearts and our minds upon you and upon the goodness of God. Jesus, thank you for the gift of wholeness, healing, and redemption. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Take communion this morning. It was my cross you bore So I could live in the freedom you died
that you're with us this morning I want to just encourage you that God is here he's been here in our worship and he's going to be here during this word and his presence is available to us and I just want to encourage you that even though you may not be in the building right now I know that where you're at whether you're at your kitchen table or whether you're in your living room or wherever you're at watching this I know that the presence of the Lord is there and I just want to encourage you to take this word and really apply it to your life and receive from it. I'm, I'm glad to be back from vacation. I'm glad to be speaking at Summit Church this morning. It's so exciting to be here, so exciting to be a part. And, and I just want to encourage you to uh, uh, engage with this message. And if you haven't heard the rest of this series, I want you to go back and listen to the podcast and watch the videos or wh whichever way you prefer to do it. But man, get this word in you because I'm telling you, it's been inspiring and challenging and uplifting. And I know it will help you in your spiritual journey. So I want to make sure you do that. But also, I just want to encourage you to re-engage. We're moving into that next season, back into uh, full, you know, kids going back to school, summer coming to a close. We've got major outreaches coming up. We've got major ministry efforts coming up. So I don't want you to set back. I want you to engage in whatever ways you can engage uh, with us as you're a part of our church online. And so we want to encourage you, and we'll be letting you know ways that you could do that. And uh, I Heart Canyon's coming up, and if, if, if you're a person who you're uh, at home and you can't be here in person, but you want to help, you can give towards that. There are links that will be put in uh, to this uh, stream, and you'll be able to link right directly to that. You can give directly towards that above and beyond your tithes. We would love to see you be a part and engage in, and, and you can pray, pray about what's going on in the church. Pray about souls being saved. Pray about lives being changed. Pray about the church growing and, and the church online growing and God using it to touch people's lives. Be engaged. Let's not sit back and observe. Let's participate in what God's doing. So I, I want to, uh, I get the opportunity to preach uh, to you today the eighth installment of our series in Nehemiah, our summer series, which has been just the book of Nehemiah. And uh, it, it has been so good. The messages have been so strong. And everyone who has spoken on this has really just brought a relevant and a now word. And that's what I want to do today. I want to encourage you. And so today, I want to speak to you around the, su the subject, I devoted myself to this work. I devoted myself to this work. So let's read our text together. It's Nehemiah chapter 5, verse 14 through 16. I'm reading from the NIV. It'll go up on the screen. You can read it with me. Let's all read. Moreover, from the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah, until his 32nd year, 12 years, neither I nor my brothers ate the food allotted to the governor. 
But the earlier governors, those preceding me, placed a heavy burden on the people and took 40 shekels of silver from them in addition to food and wine. Their assistants also lorded it over the people. But out of reverence for God, I did not act like that. Instead, I devoted myself to the work on this wall. All my men were assembled there for the work, and we did not acquire any land. Father, we just thank you for your word today, and we ask you to help us to embrace it. We ask you to help us to truly, Father, just let it get in the inside of us. Let it change us, God. We, we want to be everything that you have created us to be. We want to be the kind of Christians that you have called us to be. We want to be believers, followers of Christ that aren't halfway doing it, that aren't mediocre, that aren't lukewarm. But we want to be people who are fully growing, fully seeking your face, fully committed to your cause in Jesus' name. And so we pray, Lord, let today be a day that that the word gets deep in us and the Holy Spirit empowers us and things change on the inside of us and on the outside of us. God, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I devoted myself to this work. Um, I, I really love the word devoted, especially in our time because it connotes commitment. It says, I have a devotion. I am devoted to. I am committed to. I will do what I need to do and what's important to do. And we find in this text in uh, Nehemiah chapter 5, verse 14 through 16, Nehemiah is talking about the way that he governed when King Artaxerxes allowed him to be the governor over Judea. And he, he was saying that people were taking advantage of the situation. Leaders who had been asked to lead before him were taking advantage of the exiles that had gone back to Jerusalem, taking advantage of them by causing them to have to pay interest on loans and causing them to have to serve in ways that were inappropriate. And they were using and abusing the people, really. And Nehemiah was making the point that when he led, he did not do that because he saw that there was something important in his life that created a dynamic where he understood that to be inappropriate, that it wasn't right to treat people wrong. It wasn't right to use an opportunity to gain for himself when other people were hurting and being devastated by the situation. And so his job, his role as a leader was to serve, to come alongside, to comfort, to lead, to guide, to direct, to empower. And, and so he, he really is dealing with this attitude that um, I don't want to be like that. I don't want injustice happening as a result of my leadership. I don't want people to be hurt as a result of my leadership. I want to I, I use the things. I want to succeed. I want to take things to another level. I want the wall to be built. I want people's lives to be changed. I want it to be safe and secure and blessed. But I, I, I always put people over things. That's what he was saying. He said, I'm not going to use people to get to success. I'm going to use things to get to success, but I'm not going to use people because people are not to be used. They're not to be manipulated. They're not to be mistreated. They're not to be harmed or hurt. Even the people that we don't necessarily like, even the people that don't necessarily like us. And, and so we need to really um, understand what he was saying. But it's, it's just as important that we understand why he was saying it. 
And we find it right here in the text. He says, but out of reverence for God, I did not act like this. You know, we need to know not just what we're supposed to do. We need to know why we're supposed to do what we're supposed to do. You know, this whole series has been about this idea, these three words, repent, rebuild, restore. And I think really uh, what God is calling us to do is he's calling us to repent, which we all know to mean change your mind, go, stop thinking like yourself or like the world and start thinking like God. Go God's direction instead of your direction. Repent, turn, and move towards God. If your heart is cold, if your heart is hard, if your heart is deceitful, if your heart is dis disobedient, turn it. And a lot of times we have, we have, we have created this, this idea to be synonymous with the word repent, and the idea is sorrow. And we do need to have sorrow, but we need to have godly sorrow because godly sorrow leads to repentance. Uh, when we just feel guilty and we cry because we feel guilty, but we, but we don't really understand what needs to change, then that's not godly sorrow. It's just feeling bad. And we don't want to just feel bad. We want to change. You know, I was speaking at the river in Panhandle this last uh, Sunday, and God just dropped something in my spirit that I thought was very good, and I'm going to repeat it to you, and that is the, this process of Christianity this idea of being a Christian is not just about God loving us, but it's also about God changing us. And it's very important that we don't just say, oh, God, I'm so glad God loves me, but I'm just going to stay like I am. Because that is not God's intention. He wants us to repent. He wants us to turn. And it's not just about crying some tears and feeling bad. And, and, and that can be a part of it because emotionally we do feel bad. But it needs to evoke more than just some prayer I prayed or some feeling I had. There needs to be a change. And that change is God, the Holy Spirit, touching my life and turning me in the direction of submission towards God instead of submission to my own will and my own way. And God wants us to repent so then we can rebuild. Because what we're talking about like Nehemiah needing to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem so that there could be safety and there could be structure and that people's lives could be blessed and they, and they, and they could have a home again. We feel like that the walls in our culture have been knocked down. We, we, we're living constantly with crazy thinking and immorality and perversion to the nth degree and confusion and division and hatefulness that just exists on a level that we've honestly never seen before. And so we just feel like it's, it's kind of symbolic, like, like the walls of our culture have fallen down and they need to be rebuilt. And I know that we're not trying to you know, we, we can't, we, we are not of this world, and we know the world is going to be filled with sin, and there's always going to be sin. We're not trying to create some kind of physical utopia. We know that's not coming until Jesus returns and redoes everything. But the truth is, there are some basic decencies in society that are a result of believers believing a result of believers following Christ, a result of a believer saying, I will be committed to the cause of Christ and share the love of Christ with others so God changes their life like he changed my life. And so we have to rebuild. And here's the thing. 
After we rebuild, then that leaves room for God to restore. You know, sometimes we're waiting on God to restore things that he doesn't have the structure to restore it in. How good would it do for God to restore things in Jerusalem if there were no walls around it? Sometimes we have to do some rebuilding so God can restore. And, and, and I really believe that that's what God is doing right now. I believe this with all of my heart. Listen, I know things can look bleak and they can look bad spiritually in our nation. I know they can look bleak and bad morally in our nation but can i tell you something nothing is bigger than god nothing is is bigger than you know one thing that we haven't brought out in i don't think yet in these message series that when they decided to rebuild these walls and they went down there even with all the opposition they faced even with all the 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 acquiring of materials they had to do even with all of the challenges that came along with it they built those walls back around jerusalem in 52 days see when we make up our mind that we are going to make the turn when we make up our mind that we're going to hit our knees in prayer when we make our mind there's two things that 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 were that are absolutely evident in the book of nehemiah they're said constantly we prayed and we worked we prayed and we worked the people had a heart to pray the people had a hard to work heart to work it, it, it's important that we get this we we understand when we put ourselves in invested fully to the kingdom and purpose of god it doesn't take god long at all to make it happen and so you may think oh we got here it took so long for us to get to this place we're in it's we're, how in the world are we going to listen i'm telling you god can turn it if god can split the red sea come on he can turn it around if god can heal your body he can turn it around if god can deliver people from oppression he can turn it around if god sees you in the smallest of your circumstances and cares about that he can turn every situation we're facing right now around. Amen? And so we're just going to put our faith in God. We're not going to put our faith in men. We're not going to put our faith in governments. We're not going to put our faith in, faith in philosophies. We're not going to put our faith in ideologies. We're going to put our faith in the Word of God and in God Himself. Because God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in Him, in us. Come on. And the Holy Spirit power is working in us. Do you realize that the Holy Spirit is a Available to you to empower you that God could do miracles in and through your life, that God could do healings in and through your life, that God could do deliverances in and through your life, that God could use you to make a difference in your whole city, in your whole area, in your whole school. Come on, God has empowered us. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you if you're a believer. Come on, we got to get this. We got to understand we are a powerful church. We are not an anemic church we are not a defeated church we are not a discouraged church we are a powerful church not because we have the capability of empowering or being powerful but because the holy spirit of god indwells us and all of us together man i'm telling you the power of agreement and the power of the holy spirit working in and through us god can do anything with that you know, what we see happening here is repentance. Because a few scriptures before, uh, 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 Nehemiah was saying, look, this is what's happening. We're, we're causing people to, our own people to have to enslave their own children to pay the, the money on the interest of the loans they've been given by their own leaders. And he's saying, this has got to stop. And he talked to the leaders and he said, we, we've got to turn this around. And they turned it around. They made a turn. They decided we're not doing that anymore. It was an acknowledgement that the way things had been handled was wrong and unjust 
And then they changed it right then and there and made a decision to stop what they were doing and start doing things right. You know, I, I really believe that one of the things we need to do as believers is just acknowledge, hey, things aren't okay in our world. <laughs> we need to stop compromising in our own lives and melding into the way things are in the world and accepting philosophies of the world and ideologies of the world and perversions of the world and say, it's okay, it's fine, uh, the Bible really didn't mean that, etc., etc. The truth is, we've got to acknowledge things have gone south, things are not going well, and we need to stand up in prayer. We also need to acknowledge that maybe, just maybe, we as the church have kind of fallen asleep a little bit. We need to wake up. That, that's one thing the word repent means. It means to come to yourself. It's like, remember the prodigal son who ended up in feeding the pigs, and the Bible said that he came to himself. That was repent. He repented. In other words, he realized, what am I doing here? I have, I've made a bad choice, and I'm going to turn it around right now and go back home. I think some of us as believers, we need to say, I have lived compromised. I have lived uh, uh, lukewarm. I haven't realized it until just now because I'm asking the Holy Spirit to reveal it to us. And I'm telling you, when we make that acknowledgement and repent, repent or make that turn, it will have powerful implications. They had a change of heart. They had a change of mind, and that resulted in a change of behavior. See, when we repent, it opens the door to rebuild. And then when we rebuild, it opens the door for God to restore. You know, just a note for us as a church. In my prayer times, God has been stirring me about a certain passage in the Bible and what this means for us. And in a sense, to the church world as a whole. And one of the reasons uh, that we need to repent or turn and go the right direction is to change the way we believe and think in order to impact the behavior of believers and as believers. You know, he's, he's inspired me. I really believe this. I mean, I really believe because every time I'm praying, every time I'm seeking the face of God, this just keeps coming back up. It just keeps coming back up. And God has inspired me to consider what the New Testament church was really like and to ask myself, am I like them? You know, that church when Jesus, they had experienced Jesus coming, Jesus teaching, Jesus dying, Jesus raising, Jesus giving the Holy Spirit. They had experienced that, that church, that first generation church. That church that was so given to the kingdom and purpose of God that nothing else equaled it. Nothing else distracted from it. Nothing else was more important than it. Am I like that? And, and, and I've, just been, I've just been praying about that. I've just been asking myself, am I, am I like that? Am I given to that? Is the, is the greatest pursuit of my life to bring other people into the kingdom of God? Is the greatest pursuit of my life to make sure that everyone knows who Jesus is and that Jesus can change their life and Jesus can make a difference in them and what Jesus came to do and what he did and what he wants to do? Is that the biggest pursuit of my life? Do I, as a believer, demo, devote myself to this work, to the building of the walls of the kingdom of God? Do I need to repent so that I can rebuild and He can restore? You know, as an extension of the responsibility for me to lead is the question that I also have is where are we as a church? Not, 
Listen, not the church at large. I'm talking about Summit Church. The individual believers who call Summit Church home as it pertains to these same questions. Where are we? You know, two most important things for us to do are, number one, personally grow and be strengthened in our faith. In other words, that means to heighten our spiritual commitment and to deepen our faith in God through our relationship with Him. And the second thing is to grow numerically every day. That is the pattern of the church, that every day in the life of believers, followers of Christ, that they're growing spiritually and they're adding people to the church. Every day of our life, growing spiritually, adding people to the kingdom of God, adding people to the church. Acts chapter 16 verse 5 says that. It was talking about all the things that were happening in the church at the time, and it just it's just one little phrase out of the middle of the context of the account of the history of the church. And it says this, so the churches were strengthened in faith and grew daily in numbers. You know, there are many ways to talk about how to do this. And I think we get stuck sometimes because we, 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 we get caught wanting to be so practical and wanting to be so relevant that we get more concerned about methodology than we are theology when we don't necessarily understand that our methodology will flow out of our theology methodologies are very important and i'm not going to minimize that we are very strong in systems and and processes and ways to get people from one point to the next but are we strong in individual believers believing so fully in what we do that we put people in that process to begin with you know, there are many ways when we think about how to do it. Our, 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 if our theology is right, though, our methodology will work itself out. You know, you've all, you've all heard that old saying, there's more than one way to skin a cat. You know, our question today is not how to skin a cat, but why do we want to skin a cat? Because let's just, let's just be honest. Skinning a cat would not be easy. Skinning a cat is hard. Have you ever dealt with a cat? I mean, come on, let's be honest. Have you ever dealt with a cat? We had we have a cat. It's not our cat. It's our neighbor's cat, and we 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 are mourning it right now because it's been with us for years. And uh, about three months ago, it just stopped coming around. And it was our next door neighbor's cat, and we think it got killed or run over or a, a coyote got it or something. But it's been there for years, and that cat roams around our house. It's at our house as much as it is the neighbor's house, and it keeps mice away and snakes away. We, we like the cat. It's friendly to us and all of that, but a cat is his own person. You know what I mean? A cat just does what they want to do. They roam. They, 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 they will let you know quickly they are not owned by you. You could be feeding them. You could be helping them. You could heal them. You could take them to the vet. You, they will let you know very quickly, I'm glad you did all that for me, but I don't belong to you. I belong to me. And they'll go where they want and when they want. Now They're just not easy to deal with. They're just not. I remember one time we had a cat. And it was a little Siamese, and I thought, man, they're so pretty. But somebody told me, now they can be mean. And I'm like, ah, oh, we'll just train it to be nice. And so um, I remember one time that uh, we, we had it, and we, we were young, and it just kind of roamed the house. And we didn't realize this, but Janae was doing a load of towels. And uh, she didn't know it, but she put the load of towels in. And right after she put the load of towels in, this little cat, which was just a kitten at the time, jumped in to the dryer. 
And so Janae turned the dryer on and walked off, and the dryer was kind of loud anyway. And as it went, as it continued going, I was in the other room, and I, I, I thought, oh, man, something's wrong with the dryer. It's going to go out. I'm going to have to go get a new dryer because it's like boop, 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 boop. And we go, in, <laughs> we go in there, and we move the towels, and that little kitten had gotten in the dryer. It was being dried. Oh, it was horrible because when we let it out, it just it looked like a drunkard. It just would fall over this way and fall over that way, and we felt so bad after we laughed a lot. And uh, it was just funny. It was just funny. But that same cat, at one point when we had her, one of Janae's little uh, nieces had been ugly to the cat, not purposefully, but just was a little baby and grabbed the cat and, and didn't appreciate it and didn't do anything at the time. But the next time that that cat saw a child that age was when some of our friends came over and that little baby came walking out of the room and she went nuts. That cat went nuts. I mean, hissing and walking sideways toward that kid. I thought, if he if she gets that kid, we're in we're in trouble. I mean, this cat was trouble. So I grabbed the cat and have if you've ever grabbed a cat, because I didn't know what else to do but throw it away because it was going after this kid. So I was just gonna grab it and throw it in the other room and then and then pick the kid up. And and when I grabbed it, it grabbed all fours, grabbed my arm and just hung on like that I'm telling you it was the hardest thing in the world to get that cat to do what I wanted it to do and I'm just going to tell you the truth I'm not going to be some kind of person who just wants to say really nice things and make you feel good you know we have to ask the question to ourselves in this spiritual walk in this relationship we have with God are we really about feeling better about ourselves or are we about being better and we can make a choice that either we just want to feel better. We want somebody to tell us everything's fine. We want somebody to tell us, oh, you're great no matter what. But the truth is we need to ask ourselves, but I, do I want to be more like Christ? Do I want to know that Christ loves me? Yes. But do I want to be more like Christ? That's the question. So to accomplish something that's hard, you have to be motivated. And so if you're going to skin a cat, y'all, you better know why that cat needs to be skinned because it ain't an easy thing to do. And I'm just going to be honest with you. Living for the Lord in any day, especially the day we live, it's not easy. Committing fully to God is not just easy to do. It's, it can be difficult. Leading others to come to God and understand the love of Christ is not necessarily an easy thing to do. So we cannot just know what we need to do. We have to know why. We need to do it. You know, building the kingdom, it's just not easy. We're fighting spiritual forces. We're dealing with humanity. We're working out our own struggles all at the same time that we're trying to build the kingdom. It's just not easy. But this is why Jesus presented it to us in an all or nothing kind of proposition. He said, if you want to build the kingdom with me, you have to deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. He said, you, you, you've got to, you got to grow in your faith. He said, if you put your hand to the plow, don't look back. Don't want to go back. Go forward. If you do, you're not worthy of following me. It's something we need to consider. So our text reveals to us today the why we do what we do. It says this, out of reverence for God, I did not act like that. Instead, I devoted myself to the work on this wall. Out of reverence for God. If you look at the definition of the word reverence, here's what it means. Deep respect for someone or something. And if you look up the definition of the word respect, 
It means a feeling of deep admiration for someone or something elicited by their abilities, qualities, or achievements. He's saying, I am behaving, I am acting, I am living out of my reverence, my deep admiration and respect for God. You have to understand, they were in bondage. They had been overwhelmed by uh, the Medes and the Persians after being overwhelmed by Babylon. I mean, they were in a bad spot, but they knew they were in that spot because of their own decisions. And they still, Nehemiah still understood who God was and what God wanted to do and how even in that difficult circumstance, it was a result of God's grace because God could have given up on him. God could have given up on the nation of Israel. He could have said, that's it. You have not kept your end of the covenant. I'm not keeping my end of the covenant. That's it. No, but he, he didn't. He put them in a situation that would cause them to turn back to him out of grace, out of love for them. It's a deep admiration, a deep respect. I, I, I have to just say that when we do what we do in our following of Christ, when we do what we do as serving in the church or being a part of a small group or going to Summit Next or inviting someone to church or talking to somebody about our faith or trying to lead someone to the Lord to bring them to a place of salvation, all of that should not be done out of some kind of religious duty. All of that should not be done to check the box. All of that should not be done for reasons of religious routine. But they all should be done out of an awe, out of a reverence, out of an admiration for who God is and what He's done. For the qualities of His attributes and that He is holy and that He is love and that He is righteousness and that He is justice and that He is, he is a judgment and that He is grace and He is everything we need. His mercies are new every morning. I have such admiration for who God is as our creator, who He is as our leader and our guide, as our Father. I have such admiration for Jesus who came and humiliated Himself just to become a man and then died for our sins and then rose again from the dead and sent His Holy Spirit. I have such admiration for the Holy Spirit leading the church and empowering the church. Oh, what respect and admiration we have. And this is why we do what we do. We don't do this just to say, oh, we have good church or, oh, we have great church or, oh, it's important to be moral. No, listen, we do this because we love God and we love God because we reverence God. The Bible says the very beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, the reverence of God, the great admiration of God and who he is. Uh, Nehemiah said, I do this. I changed my behavior. I repented because I'm in awe of God, because I revere God. Our what always comes out of our why. You know, look at the greatest commandment. When the lawyer came to Jesus and he was trying to trip him up and he said, teacher, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said to him, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Notice that the lawyer did not ask him what the second greatest commandment was. He just asked him what the first commandment was, the greatest commandment. But Jesus offered up the information. He said, the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and, 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 and uh, uh, self, your whole self. But he, but he went on to say, and the second is like unto it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. 
And here's what Jesus was trying to say. It's out of our love for God that our love for others comes. That when we have this relationship with God, the things of God come out of us. We always do our what out of our why. Why do I love my wife? Because I love Jesus. And Jesus loves me. Why do I love people? Because I love Jesus. Because people sometimes aren't lovey. They're not lovely. They're not lovable, uh, including this people. We, we are sometimes not worthy of love, but we love not, not that's not what we do. That's, that's, we don't do it just because you're supposed to do it. We do it because we are loved. We do it because we love him. So out of our why comes our what? Our love for others comes out of our love for God. Our what always comes out of our why. Look at Isaiah chapter 1 verse 19. It says, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Well, the children of Israel want to be blessed by God. They want to eat the good of the land. So that was their why. That was their vision. I want to be blessed by God. So out of their why came their what? Being willing and obedient. Matthew chapter 12, verse 35 in the NIV says this, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. In other words, people do things out of their why. In other words, if I, am, if I want to be a good person, if, I, if the reason I'm doing this is because I'm in alignment in a relationship with God, then what I do is affected by why I do it. This is why it says that they were strengthened in their faith and grew in number daily. Here's what I believe. I believe that if we truly begin to grow spiritually like that God has called us to grow, that we're strengthening our faith personally as individual Christians and as a group of Christians called Summit Church, as we begin to grow in our faith, as we begin to be strengthened in our personal development of prayer time and devotion time and seeking the face of God and hearing and studying His Word and sharing our faith and committing to community and committing to living for him and committing to doing the things that the church does i'm telling you as we are strengthened in that way if as we grow spiritually the fruit of that will be adding to the number daily because what gets in you comes out of you and if your why gets so built up your what will start happening in other words i share my faith with people not because it's a method i share my faith with people because it's in me to do i love jesus i want other people to know jesus love and so my why produces my what I really believe that if we as a church will really say, God, I don't want any lukewarmness in my life. I don't want any spiritual mediocrity in my life. I don't want any backslidings in my life. I don't want any spiritual compartmentalization in my life. I want to be whole. I want to be holy. I want to be in pursuit of your love and your grace. And I want you to do it in me. I believe that as we grow in those ways, that the numbers will come of people's souls who are being saved and marriages who are being healed and lives that are being changed as a result of the change that's happening in us because we cannot keep that to ourselves. So I wanted to talk to you about what their why was, the reverence. He said, I did not do like they did out of my reverence for God, my admiration for who he is, my respect my deep admiration, my deep love for him produced a different kind of behavior in me. 
I could have used this as an opportunity to make money for myself. I could have used this as an opportunity for power. I could have used this as an opportunity to succeed personally. But I didn't, like others did, simply for one reason. I, I fear God. I reverence God. It doesn't mean I'm afraid of God. It means I fully, full-on stand in awe of Him and deeply respect who He is. So I want to talk to you just quickly as we come to uh, the end of the message, three things that are results of reverence. And the first thing is, well, I'll just tell you all three and then we'll talk about them quickly. When we begin to revere God, there are three things that result. Number one, we begin to live with priority. Number two, we begin to live by principles. And number three, we live for purpose. Now, number one, we live with priorities. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28 says this, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. In other words, here's what he's saying. There is a way to worship God with our lives acceptably, and it's motivated by reverence and awe. It means that we make God uh, in all things the most important. He wants to be preeminent in your life. Not because it's your duty. Not because you're checking it off. Not because you think it's what you're supposed to do. You, he wants you to put Him first because He's God and you revere Him. You respect Him. You honor him. Nehemiah acknowledged that there were leaders who were putting themselves and their well-being in the preeminent place in their lives. Instead of putting God in that place of priority and going for it. We need to get this. We need to understand this. It's a problem in our culture for believers today. Every one of us. We, we need to get to this place where we understand God is the single most important thing there is. That's why he said out of reverence for God, I did not act like that. Instead, I devoted myself to the work on this wall. In other words, everything else is less important. You know, Jesus came. He said, I came to bring a sword. We don't ever talk about that. But Jesus said, look, I came so that, that you would choose me over every other friend you have. I came so that you would choose me over all public opinion. I, I came so that you'd choose me over sin. Choose me over issues. Choose me over family even. That you wouldn't allow relationships that are earthly to be more important or things that are earthly to be more important than your relationship with me. This is not a question. This is not up for debate. This is not a controversy. It's biblical. And Jesus wants us to understand he, it is very important that we put him first. So when we revere God, the first thing is we live by godly priority. The second thing is we live by principles. You know, we live in a world that believes so fully in relative truth that we have forgotten that it's the absolute principles of the Word of God that are consistent and constant and will keep your life on track. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Listen. Our daily challenge as believers is to live by absolute truths and not relative truth 
which are really just feelings or opinions. You know, there are principles that are unmovable. There are principles that are unshakable. That when we live by them and center our lives around them, our lives become aligned with the will of God and the purpose that He has for us. However, if we buy into the lie that says truth is whatever we want it to be, or whatever we feel it should be, and we find ourselves in opposition to God and opposition to His Word, which results in an unstable life that has negative temporal and negative eternal implications. Truth is not fluid. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what modern philosophy and ideology says. Truth is not fluid. It is not. It doesn't change like the wind. The Bible even said that a person who is double-minded is unstable in all his ways. Why do you think that our culture feels so unstable right now? Because we are acting as if truth is fluid, as if truth is relative, and you can have a different truth than I can have. No, you can't have your own truth. You can have your own opinion. You can have your own feelings, but you can't have your own truth. And biblical truth is the truth on which we stand. And it's like a rock. That when the storms come and when the difficulties come and when the hardships come, we are not moved. Not because of our own ability, but because the ability of the Word of God to be that stable, consistent, awesome truth that does not move. You will break yourself against those truths more than you will uh, uh, overcome those truths. If you want to rebel against those truths, that's fine. But the 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 joke will be on you because it will it will produce wrong and hard and hateful things in your life. Truth is not fluid. It doesn't change with the wind. It isn't based on our feelings. Paul taught us in Corinthians that we don't walk by our physical senses, but we walk by our faith. In other words, the just, those justified, those who are in right relationship with God, walk by faith in Christ, whose promises are yes and amen, meaning they're absolute. They're absolute. Think about what happens, and I'm closing, think about what happens when we center our lives around feelings or things instead of around the truth of the Word of God. Your life gets so out of balance. Your life gets so sideways. It gets so messed up. Think about what your life does when you establish it on truths like integrity and honesty and love and compassion and grace and mercy. Think about it. Think about when you stand on the absolute truth of God's word. It makes you immovable. It makes you stand firm. It doesn't allow the world to blow you around. Three and lastly, We live for purpose. When we revere God, we admire Him, we absolutely love Him and respect Him. You know, we've so redefined the word love that the attached word respect that goes hand in hand with love has lost all meaning. And I want to encourage you that we're losing the idea of respect in our culture. And I think the number one reason we're losing the idea of respect in our culture is because we've lost the idea of revering God. If we revere God, if we honor Him, if we admire Him, then the third and last thing we do is we live for purpose. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 in the NIV, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, 
to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true, proper worship. That word worship can be literally interchanged with the word reverence. He says, I urge you, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice. In other words, you're living for purpose. Psalms 130, verse 4 in the NIV says, But with you there is forgiveness, so that we can, with reverence, serve you. So we live for purpose, but not our purpose, His purpose. See, reverence results in living for purpose. When we revere God, we revere what He says, and we revere what He does. It's so funny to me how people will say, well, I love God, but I don't love the church, so I'm not going. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Because if you love God, you love what God loves. And God said, I died for the church. I love the church. (laughs) Come on, somebody. Reverence results in living for purpose. When we revere God, we revere what He says and what He does. When we are in awe of God, we understand that when He created us, by the sheer fact of who He is, He would have had to have created us with intention and meaning. In other words, purpose. Romans 8.28 says this, All things work together for the good to them who love God and are called according to His purpose. You know, we spend a lot of time talking about what our purpose is when that's not the issue at all. When we revere Him, it helps our perspective to change. And we begin to understand it's not about our purpose, but it's about His purpose for us. Revering God results in living for his purpose let's pray father i thank you for your word today and i just pray god i pray this right now supernaturally i i've done my best to teach this i've done my best to preach this message i i don't know what else i could have done god to try to get this point across so i'm asking you holy spirit to anoint it i'm asking you to reach down into our hearts and our minds and our lives right now and turn on turn on that thing in us that remembers how to reverence you that remembers to not be too familiar with the idea of god and the concepts of you that heavenly father would begin to remember who you really are and what you really do again That our faith will be full and it will be full on. That our faith will result in faithfulness. That our faith will result in fruitfulness. And that God, Heavenly Father, we will absolutely find ourselves because of our awe, because of our wonder, because of our true respect and admiration for who you are and what you've done, begin to live our lives out of our why. That the what we do every day in our relationship with you and following you will be motivated out of that why. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. That word all is the operative word in that scripture. All. Everything. Full on. God, help us to do it. Help us to do it out of an admiration and reverence and respect for you in Jesus' name. Man, what a great word from Pastor David. I know we learned so much. I know you guys did too. And hey, if something ministered to you in that message and you really just feel like, 
God is pulling on your heart to make a decision and give your life to yes. Him, um, now is the time. And to do that, you can go to the connection card in the description and a pastor will get in contact with you and help you along your journey. Absolutely. You know, it. if, if you've given your life to Christ and you do that, we're, we're, we're there for you. We want to help you. We want to guide you. We want to direct you. You're not in this thing alone. Also, if you're, again, if you're new with us today and you've been watching, you can also go to that connection card. It's right there in the description. And it's just a way that we can follow up with you. We're all about relationship, connect with you. And that'll also allow you to see many of the things going on here. There, there's so many things going on uh, this summer, going into the fall. We're so excited about that. You can keep up with all those things just by going to our website, to our events page, um, and that will keep you in the loop of all the amazing things taking place here at Summit Church. Well, that's it, right? That's it. It's been an awesome day. Yes, uh, such a good day. Well, we won't see you next Sunday, but maybe you'll see us. So. <laughs> Thank you so much for being a part of our worship experience today. We are so grateful for you as a part of our church, Church Online. Um, we, we want you to know we do consider you a part of Summit Church. You're not just somebody who's observing Summit Church, but you are a part of our church online campus and family. And so thank you so much for being a part. And I encourage you to invite others to join you at church online. It'll be good for them and good for you to share that with them. Hey, I want to encourage you to give. You know, a lot of times... I'm just going to, sometimes as a pastor, I like to let people behind the scenes. And what I mean by that is to let you know how it feels sometimes to pastor uh, when we do certain things that we do. And so when it comes to giving and offerings, I, I'm always very careful about how I present things and how I say things because I don't want anybody to take what we say wrong or, or think that we are uh, inappropriate as it pertains to money. And so I try not to say things that would be con considered manipulative or anything like that. So when I say what I'm about to say, I say this with reverence to God. But as you give today, I don't want you to give out of some kind of, you know, like, you know, I belong to the Lions Club. And to be in the Lions Club, you have to pay dues. And I think sometimes we approach church that way. We, we, we look, I, I pay my tithes, and that's my dues to be a part of the club. And no, 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 that is not why we give. You know, I talked about what. Giving is what we do. But our what always comes out of our why. Why do we do it? And so today I want you to do it out of uh, a reverence for God. That word reverence can literally be interchanged with the word worship in the Bible over and over again. In the Old and New Testament, it's used that way. And I want to encourage you today to, when you give, when you Give online, which I'm sure you're doing as church online. Go to, you know, that link and you and you push the link. I, I want you to do that. I mean, I know that's just a practical thing. It's such a technical thing to do. And it may feel weird. It doesn't feel very spiritual. But as you do it, I want you to pray over your gift. And I want you to give it out of reverence for God. And here's how you do that. I want you just to take a moment before you push that button, before you click that link, I want you to think about who God is. I want you to think about what God has done for you. And then I want you to give out of a heart that says, I admire you and I'm giving to you because I love you and because I revere you. And I know that what that money does, it helps the ministry of the church go forward. But 
The Bible literally says that when we give an offering physically, God receives it spiritually. The Bible says that in Hebrews. So I believe if you'll just set your heart and worship God in your giving today like that, I believe God will receive it from your heart and, and he'll use it to do many great things in people's lives. God bless you. Thank you so much for being a giver. I want to give you a blessing. So if you'll just hold out your hands and I just want to speak faith over you right now. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he turn his face towards you and be gracious to you. May he turn his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week.